The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 This Friday. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Streaming only on Hulu. Friday. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, welcome back to We Want Winners. Roderick Adams and myself, Double G, here. We took a week off, but it was mostly to line up so that the next show that we do in two weeks will be right after the end of the 49er or the NFL draft. But, you know, Niners are going to be drafting a lot on, on day three, so we had to make sure we came back on Sunday. So what's going on, man? And much. Um, been eagerly come to come back and talk to um yeah by the warriors um <laughs> yeah just hanging out <laughs> so i i told you offline before we started that we're gonna do a quick and dirty warriors update because uh brian and i were not i'm a able... professional i just i led you i led you right into it i'm, I'm exactly. a professional Exactly. I set you right up for it. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. So Brian uh, was not able to join me last night. He had something going on, uh, and I think everything's figured out. I think we'll be able to go uh, after the game on Monday. But, you know, you're a longtime Warriors fan, so I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, You've been uh, – do you even remember – uh, you were you were probably really small when the, when they won their first championship in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, well, I my uncle told me about games that he would take me to, in seventy um seventy five. Yeah. He took me to a couple of games that I was like you said I was three years old. So no, I don't have any recollections of that. But my first basketball recollections are of the Warriors of Purvis Short and J.B. Carroll. Those guys were my first guys, Lorenzo Romar, those teams, those kind of awful teams <laughs> in the eighties were, those were, those are the teams that I followed. Um, so yeah, I've, I, while I, I've never really followed basketball the way I kind of, follow football in terms of like digging in and because there's always see, still all kinds of questions. Um, I love Zach Lowe and, and, and if I'm reincarnated, I want to come back. Zach Lowe. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so I'm listening to, to those guys and, you know, him and um, KOC and mm-hmm. Bill Simmons and all those guys, I learned so much about the game. Um, 
just listening to them. So I'm really as a for the with the Warriors, I'm literally I'm just a fan. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah. So I I li- I really you could say that I am about a 49er fan, but I think I'm a 49. I'm a fan plus. Yeah. As a 49er fan, but I'm strictly. Um, I'm strictly a Warriors fan, and I I drink all the Kool Aid, and I and I think they're gonna win the championship again this year, <laughs> regardless of uh, how unreasonable that might sound, since they can't seem to win a road game. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so but I'm all in though. Well, okay, so last night, uh, and we we are recording this on Sunday night. The Warriors played the Kings Saturday night. Uh, they were in Sacramento, first time Sacramento been in the playoffs in something like 17 years. The Warriors themselves coming off of the championship kind of had a hangover from the championship, also had injuries, had this, you know, this deal with that, that they were, Brian and I have been talking about it all year with Wiseman and these younger players. And so, you know, Andrew Wiggins is back. He didn't start, but he's back. So really, this is the full team that you're going to get. And I think if Wiggins starts, then you go, okay, this is what you got. And there's no more excuses on what happens. And last night's game, I thought was a, was a really, really good basketball game, fun basketball game. I know the folks who don't watch the warriors who are uh, more national uh, writers, fans, etc. They were like, that's the best basketball game we've seen all, all year long. I couldn't even look at it that way because I'm so focused on certain things and I don't, I didn't, wasn't watching it necessarily for the entertainment, but uh, the, 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 the quality w- w- was at a high, high, high level. So uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, in your sort of fan mode, when you were watching the game, could you sense that the Warriors were pretty much punch for punch with, Sacramento, even though Sacramento was the better regular season team. And like you said, the Warriors can't win a game on the road to save their life. Did it look like uh, it's a pretty, pretty even uh, contest, a pretty even seven game series? Because to me, I, I think my biggest takeaway after last night was Sacramento's best punch uh, versus the Warriors' best punch is pretty even. And thus, I think the series is going to be won on the margins, in the coaching, in the sort of the savvy vet kind of stuff. And I think we're going to see Steph Curry play like two or three more minutes a game because his plus minus was pretty ridiculous yesterday. And the minutes he was out, they really, really struggled. So what, what did you think when it came to the sort of the toe to toe to toe head to head battle? What did you think about the, how even the teams were? Um, first takeaway was Wiggins didn't look bad for, um, you know, that being is two months. Um, so that was um, rather encouraging. Um, pulling up the box score now. Um, also, um, I, I, w- I was trying to get the box. I, I, I felt like not looking at the numbers that um, 
JP was, you know, he wasn't nearly as reckless as he can be at times. And overall, as a team, we didn't have any any real, um, you know, there weren't a lot of the the careless, reckless turnovers that um, sometimes can plague us. Where you know, like you know, <laughs> my my brother, he always texts me when he's watching the game. But you know, like JP would just like throw the ball away. You know, he just <laughs> just uh, I mean, here he goes again. He's just gonna just giving the game game away. But uh, yeah. it wasn't there wasn't really any of that. Um, I think this series is going to come down to, um, you know, as it most times does, defense. And I, I just don't think um, – I think we can just get more stops when it comes down to it um, if we're playing at our best, um, more stops than the Kings can. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. I haven't watched a whole lot of Kings basketball. I've watched more than probably most. Um but what has been interesting to me all season about their team is how I think as good as um, De'Aaron Fox is, I still think Sabonis is their best player, but his usage for a player of his stature is not nearly as high as, I mean, he doesn't, he just doesn't seem like he wants to shoot the ball for, you know, for some reason. And I, I don't think that they'll be able to beat us, um, if he if he's just gonna if he's gonna be a reluctant shooter, I don't think it can beat us because while De'Aaron Fox is uh he is a remarkable young player and he can shoot you into a game, but he can also shoot you out of a game. Um so anytime and then come on, uh, Malik Monk, come on. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't I'm one who does not believe that that is sustainable. So um Okay, I mean they got one. I just don't see the Kings beating us four times. That that's just you know, and that's you know, I I I can't break it down like you know maybe like Zach Lowe can as to why, but I I just you know, and maybe that's part of the Warrior fan in me, but I it's just, I just have a hard time seeing that team beating us four times. Fox is uh, similar. To me, to John Morant, in the way that he he's kind of their guy to get a bucket when they need a bucket, and mm-hmm. I think the I think the Warriors will uh, will figure out how to, you're not going to stop him. He's he's fantastic, but they'll figure out how to make things harder for him, which I think will make things a little bit harder on some of the other guys. But then then again, maybe maybe Malik Monk has another career game we'll see <laughs> maybe he's the answer <laughs> but uh uh but brian and i will be back a- after game two you can see uh, i got my death lineup hat on representing uh, the warriors during their season so uh we'll, we'll if if sacramento wins game two that makes it a lot tougher if the warriors come home with one then they got two in their crib and uh E40 is not going to be kicked out of this game. That's all. That's all mm-hmm. I got to say. So, uh, okay, let's talk about the Niners because that's what we're here for. That's what people who are listening to us uh, are, are awaiting. And you sent me some topics, and I wanted to uh, create, at least for the YouTube folks, I wanted to create a look, create a few graphics here to represent the topics that 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 Rod wanted to talk about here. So the first one is on Ayuk and Kinlaw because the 49ers, they have a deadline here. And the deadline is whether or not they're going to pick up 
the fifth year option uh, on on both guys. And, you know, I think the argument is um, uh, probably a little bit of a one-sided argument in most fans' mind because I think most fans see Ayuk as a contributor, as a very valuable piece uh, of the offense, and they don't see Kinlaw that way, and it's because of Kinlaw's injuries. I, w- do you know the 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 what, what the deadline is for when they have to make this decision? May first. Okay, so May first. So we have th- uh, we had two weeks, and this is not for this season. Both guys are already on the club for this season. This would be for the 2024-25 season, right? Correct. So, what I, I, I'm going to imagine, and and there's going to be another conversation that comes off of what we're talking, what we're going to talk about here with Ayuk. And uh, and Kinlaw, but first question is, Ayuk's got to be no doubt about it. Pick up his option, like he, he like they don't have. I don't think you can find him in this year's draft with their picks. I don't think that because of how they've been spending money, they they cannot afford to grab another receiver like him. So is he a surefire done deal? No matter what, we got to do it. Player to you. I think so. For both players, I, you know, I played a thought exercise going, you know, pro and con, trying to taking both sides. Um, so I can make the argument for not picking up. I, I don't think it's, re- uh, but I, I'll say that going in. I don't think it's realistic that they won't. Um, it's a 14 the, year I, option or 14 million option that they have to pick up, by the way, which is more than the Kim only. Martin. In-laws is only, I think, 10 and a half or something like that. Right, because just because of the way they were drafted in uh, in the, you know, the order of, in the first round order, you know, Ike was the higher pick. And the only argument I could make for not picking up Ayuk's option is that I don't know that his production, and again, his production is commiserate, with a $14 million a year player. But that's not to say that he can't produce at that level. He's just, you know, he's in an offense where in the pecking, where he is in the pecking order, it's going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to get $14 million. What would standardly be considered $14 million worth of production just based on the way we play. But that's, you know, and that's that's all I've got is that that would be the only reason not to do it. And then maybe if you figure you can get cute and try to um, extend him at a lower number for more years that you you do. Maybe you if you want to try to play that game, um, maybe that's some. But I but that, again, that's me just grasping the straws because I, I think that that is kind of a no brainer that you pick it up. All right, if you are the person who is defending Ayuk, I think the argument is every year he's gotten better and he's gotten more chances. And in those more chances, he has uh, his production has gone up. So if you go back to his rookie year, uh, 60 catches, 748 yards, 5 TDs. His second year, though, in more games. So if you wanted to go by a game by game, his second year actually he 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 drops off ever so slightly. But his uh 
at yards per catch goes up. Same amount of touchdowns, uh, a little bit less on the receptions, a little bit more on the yards. But then again, like I said, it's it's he has more games in that second year compared to the first year. But last year, he really came into his own as a second guy. Uh, 78 catches, 1,000 yards, played in every single game. Average yards per catch down a little bit. They're up. So you would say, well, you know, he's improved just about every year. Now, the argument against him, I think, is Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle could pick up some slack if you if you do not pick up that fifth year option. And, uh, you know, Christian maybe. He his numbers may hurt Ayuk's numbers next year just because he'll be with the team for the full season. So, to me, like I, I don't know what what the, what is the fourteen million dollar receiver? Who are we talking about right now? As far as other guys who make that much money as a, a, a you know probably a number two receiver, I, unless you're in in this day and age in the NFL. If you're a number one receiver and you're not near that thousand yard mark, your team is probably not that good. But are there, are there other receivers at that number who you're like, nope, they're just they just produce way more than than Ayuk does? Um, not offhand, but let's take a look. Let's see, let's see who um who's um Spot Track has as that's the number that. They have him, they have his, that, that market number is based. It's just, it's fixed because that's just where he is slotted. But right. that is lower than what spot track has his mark, his, what his market value would be. And they've got him lumped in with guys like um, his stat comps are Christian Kirk, Mike I was about Williams, to say you could probably blame Hunter the Jaguars Rufo. for for ruining that a little bit for paying Christian Kirk yep. so much money. Um, Cortland Sutton, and you know when he is right there with all of those guys in you know game percentage, right? You know they do a good job of of um, right sizing. So all those guys are right there um, when it comes to. Percentage of games played, percentage of targets, um, receptions per game, yards per game, all of that. And he's right there with um, all of those guys. And that is, that's, that's where there's, you know, where spot track says statistically and value wise, um, they're saying that at 14 million, he is, you know, he's a value um, play, you know, and, in all of those categories, he is either right there first or second, like um, um, receptions per game, Renfro gets him, and then in, by touchdowns per game, um, Mike Williams is like, you know, a, is a stud, you know, at that position. But he's right there. So, um, again, I just I, – I think when you look at the numbers, and, we, again, you can make the argument that his numbers aren't, as robust as they might be in, you know, other situations. Um, because he, 
he is the wide receiver too. But then when you look at this offense, like you just mentioned, where actually, what does that equal as in the pecking order of, um, you know, if if we don't look at it as receiver and we look at it as offensive weapons, I mean, he is what four, five, maybe <laughs> down, you know, if, if you say, you know, McCaffrey and Debo are one and two, um, I, I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, and then, and then after that, you know, you got Kittle, you got, you know, it, it, after that, it's like game plan specific. It could be anybody um, from week to week. It could be, you know, he could be number three on any given week, depending yeah. on game plan, on the game script. But then he could be six. <laughs> you know, it, it it just, you know, you know, we have such an embarrassment of riches mm-hmm. um, that, that that's just where we find ourselves. But I just think with the cap going up um, and we really don't, you know, we, we're really in a situation that once Nick's deal is behind us, you know, 25 is the next year where we start having, you know, decisions again about extending guys. And do you, you know, do you re-sign um, Kittle? Do you think that he's still at the top of the market in terms of play, you know, in two years? Um, you know, because you get to start – start thinking about how old he is and whatnot and you know and just the wear and tear which is you know we'll get into um i think a little later on as we talk about the positions of need um going into this draft um because you know uh spoiler alert um he's the only tight end um under contract um after this season both warner and dwelly are unreal and you know we've learned we have operated it's more likely that those dudes are going to get if they're going to get paid they're going to get paid somewhere else more so than here it's, it's just it just seems like that's how we're operating now. so um i just i i can't see um i just i just can't see them not extending him Unless they, you know, don't do the option and have something, some kind of back room deal where he gets an even longer extension at a little less money. But even I don't, you know, I I just don't, I don't even know why. Well, I guess he would do that for the security if he could get like three more years at a number that says like what, 12, 13 14 million a year guaranteed. But then as Spot Track says, the, the argument against that is that at 14, he's under market value. Mm-hmm. So how much more of an under market value deal? At what point is I you say, wait a minute, I'll just, you know, see what the free market has to say about my talent and skills. So it's a tricky thing, but I just think I can't, you know, I think that they I think he gets his gets his money. So the uh, the other thing on the Niners side, if you're if you're talking about like, okay, is he really worth this with our current team? So you could look at this uh, one of two ways. I think uh, you could look at this as 
he was um, maybe even more valuable post-Christian because they just opened up the offense a little bit more when McCaffrey was there. Because I my the way that my memory worked was that he and Jimmy had sort of figured out uh, some timing stuff, and Jimmy was hitting him on these slants, just beautiful catches. And then when I look at the numbers, the per-game numbers, his numbers go up with... Uh, with uh w- with Brock Purdy and with Christian in in uh and I would not my my memory would not have thought that without me looking at these numbers. Now he did have a couple of games back to back Seattle and Tampa Bay where he didn't really do anything. So his his numbers may have been hurt overall there, but his best game of the season is 9 for 101 and that's with Brock against the Raiders. And then uh, a- another really good game, uh, five for 81 against the Redskins. Uh, his best game with Jimmy would have been, uh, ele- he had, he had, he had a-, a six for 84, a seven for 82, and an eight for 83 with Jimmy. So, you know, a little bit lower on the, on the uh, average per catch with Jimmy than, than Brock. And it just tells me that w- once they got Christian, they started opening up things a little bit more downfield and Brock just was willing to, to throw down there because he was able to create some, some room and some space with his feet. Yeah. I mean, and again, this is not a slight on Jimmy, you know, God bless you in Vegas, but um, it's just, it's just the fact that the route tree was just, it, it expanded with Brock. Brock would go places with the ball that Jimmy just seemed unwilling or unable to go he just he he just did so i just and with the addition of christian it just like you said it did it opened it his addition opened up the offense but then even when you open up the offense you have to have a quarterback who's willing to take chances with the ball outside of inside the numbers and outside of 15 yards and um Brock seemed comfortable, more comfortable doing that than Jimmy ever did. So, um, yeah. So at that, you know, what I saw jives with the numbers that you just outlined. I just think as we move forward um, with whoever the quarterback is, I I believe there's evidence that um, there is more meat on the bone that those guys will go get maybe in a little different way, but they both Brock or Trey um, will unlock the receivers in a way that um, they just weren't with um, Jimmy at quarterback. There's no I in team, but there is one in indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So the I think the the next level of this, this discussion, and I think people will start having it at some point, is the Debo versus Ayuk conversation. Because if you remember, Debo signed a new deal, but it's uh, it was on the shorter end of length for for most big receivers, uh, and so. You you have Ayuk this year. You pick up his option for next year. Then it becomes a conversation. If you're paying high teens for Ayuk and in the twenties for Debo, I think is what they're paying. Like, do you have to pick between one of them? And if you do, who is the one that you choose? From a a, a durability standpoint. This is the unfortunate thing for Debo is the Niners had him running the ball a lot and he was he was getting hit by linebackers instead of defensive backs and he's getting dinged up a little bit. And then you hope that, you know, he's going to his body's going to be right and he'll be fine. He did not have the fantastic season uh, last year that he did the year prior, uh, but that it becomes a, you know, who do you who do you choose? Who do you go with? That is a conversation I mean, that decision doesn't have to be made now, but I imagine as you're putting all these things together and we know how smart the Niners are around the cap, Parag is pulling all this stuff out where we don't even think it's possible. And I, to the point where I'm just like, every time I see a new deal the Niners do, I go, I just don't understand salary cap again. But that the, they have to be sort of planning out that way a little bit. Like, like do you have any like initial thoughts on what you would do there if faced with that you know do we have to choose one or two it's it's interesting that you know i think what the the saving grace it looks like for the next eight years the cap is going to be going up at about what you would figure a contract of that size would be about 15 to $16 million a year. So you should be able to fit these guys in, you know, as they come, as the deals come up. Um, Debo, the way his contract is structured, um, 25 is the big number. Like this year he goes from eight to, uh, he goes from six to eight or nine, eight, eight, point six um and then his first big number is um 24 which he it goes up to 28 and they're stuck with that because the dead cap number 
on that year is about the same. So you would not realize any savings by letting him go. But then 25, his dead cap number goes down to 15 on a salary of 24. So that puts him in a situation where either you're looking at, I mean, if you wanted to move off of him completely, you could for 15 million, you could just cut him or what is more likely is he's in a situation where that money starts to get pushed and you like restructure you, um, you know, extend him again for, um, you know, for more to so add on more years to kind of spread that money out because the way the contract is structured now, um, it's 24, 24 million, um, 28, 24, and then eight and one. So you could push money when you look at it on paper, it's clear what they could do that if they're happy and everybody's happy and they, you know, they believe he's healthy that you can just push, we could extend him, push more money forward. Um, and then, you know, just, just roll it like that. Or if in 25, you know, you figure, well, we're, we are going to have to make a decision long-term on Iuk, and that's our guy. Um, and then at that point you either just outright cut him or you trade him or, you know, whatever I'm talking about Debo, um, but I, I just don't think that if his health is not an issue, I don't think that the cap alone would be a reason that you couldn't have them both. Um, it would be that the only reason I would think you'd move off Debo is if you just don't feel that, um, uh, for whatever reason, health or whatever, that his production is going to be commensurate with you know, being amongst the highest paid receivers in the league. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the gamble that he took when he took that shorter deal um, was that, that he, um, 25, 2025 and his value wouldn't be the same. But I'm sure his gamble was that he'd still be playing at that level and he would be able to get another bite at the apple um at 30 or 31 so it'll be interesting to see but i i i I think they can both coexist now what we don't know is um is at that point where we're gonna be at um in the in in the development of trey lance and where Mm -hmm. because his number it just just based on being a quarterback um a top three pick at quarterback um his fifth year option money is going to be big and then whoever um extends him is you know they're going to be you know you're going to be talking about 30 maybe by that point 40 million dollars a year even just on a um just on a you know the 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 franchise number is 32 now this year. Um, so where will that be in 2026? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting. I know you have mentioned it on several occasions that um, if that alone 
won't just price us out of the Trey Lance um, business. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it will be it, for sure. Brock is going to be cheaper. Yeah, in the in the short term, uh, and, and just his contracts just moving forward is they're going to just you know he's going to be a million dollars for the next four years, and then his he's not eligible for a fifth year extension. Um, so his you know his number over the first five years of his career just going to be way like trey's number is like 35 million (laughs) the way it is right now we are locked in to paying him 35 million um over his first five years and brock is going to be like five yeah (laughs) yeah it's you know when you have this is this is where the parag and john lynch sort of they probably lean a little bit there because of that future savings and what you could do with the roster. And Shanahan's got to be like, okay, it's who's going to win games. Like, that's great. You know, Parag's going to figure out a way to, to keep the, keep the cap fresh and, and us, you know, being able to still make moves, but you got to believe that when it comes benefit of the doubt, that number that Brock is playing at, it just looks so much more valuable in a salary capped sport. Uh, but maybe like you said, because of the TV money continually going up that uh, you don't have to worry as much uh, as, as one would think, but you know, that that's for people who make big bucks to, to think about down the line. Well, you know, here's the thing. I, I think you, you want a quarterback that you feel comfortable paying $40 million to that, that ultimately those are the guys that you are trying to acquire. So having to pay your quarterback $40 million, that's a good problem to have. Cause, because those are the guys everybody is like in this year's draft, those guys at the top of the draft, they want to be able to pray in five years. They want to pay Bryce young, $40 million because if you do that, that means that he's paying playing at the top of the league. And it just, it just seems that though anymore that you, you need to have those guys, you know, it's nice to be able to talk about, you know, what you're able to do with somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, but man, if you got Patrick Mahomes, mm, I, <laughs> I'd rather have that guy, you know, 10 times out of 10 and figure out, if I got to figure out how to replace Juju Smith and McCole <laughs> Hartman and all of the, I, I'd rather be in the position of yep. having to figure all the rest of that out and pay that dude $45, 50000000 dollars a year rather than being trying to skimp and scrape and try to figure out the quarterback position and you know trying to build out around that. I mean, you can do it. That's the, that's the beautiful thing about the NFL is there are not there's there's not one size fits all. You can you can win in all kinds of different ways. But I would rather have the marquee quarterback and then have to figure the rest of it out than to be trying than any any other of the other models. Like even the model that we're running right now, I'd rather have that model. Oh yeah, oh with. yeah. <laughs> that's the, the be- that's the best place to be. And that's why Trey has to outplay Brock because that might, if they play even, you know, it, it's going to be easier for them to say, you know, we just got to go with Brock if they're even. Oh yeah, but, I mean, if yeah, if 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 
if the difference is minimal, then yeah, that it makes more sense because the cost basis is always going to be Brock Brock Purdy. Unfortunately, that's that's the 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 downside to be in the last pick in the draft is that that cost basis is never going to, it's going to take a long time for that to even out because his first, his, you know, his first extension is going to be lower than because he's, he's coming from a lower cost basis. It's just, so it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be a benefit to the team throughout. Um, If he can, I, I don't want to say, that it's a benefit because obviously they want Trey to be successful too. It, that would be obviously the, the, the best case scenario is that they are both good and then they have to pick between the two. Yeah. That would be, you know, obviously the best case scenario. Um, So I don't want to make it sound like they, they're like rooting for Brock to be better than Trey, but you know, for financial reasons, but you know that that there's a reality to that that mm-hmm. is 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 pretty you know it's pretty clear i mean yeah yeah the uh, best case scenario patrick mahomes sort of worst case scenario and, and we'll see this play out but like the daniel jones scenario i would really hate to be right. in that scenario because you're signing a guy over his value because you don't have anything better uh, and I think the Niners with their current situation, they, they're that it is a, it is a, it's not the, the best, but it's not the worst either because you have a, you have two young players who you can develop. And that was Patrick Mahomes, you know, in his third year as a, a, a as a young player, he wasn't making 40 million at that point, you know? So that is a that that is not the best scenario that they have, but they ha- they are in a pretty good one. The only one that that's that's better, I think, is you know the the ones that you're talking about, Mahomes and you know whoever the 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 top elite 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 ones are. But you could also fall into this false sense of security, like what the Rams have right now with Matt Stafford. Uh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he over the hill? Can he even throw the football like? Like that, the, they they sold out everything for that one title, and I would have done that too, right? Like that's what you're there to do. Right. But now they're sort of falling in it. You know, their their next season. I don't expect that their fans think that they really have a have a shot to to compete uh, unless they they make some changes. So there are some bad scenarios out there. Daniel Jones, Matt Stafford. The Niners are not in what I would consider a bad scenario. They have two young quarterbacks. Brock Purdy showed last year in that system he was successful. We haven't seen Trey yet. People, I know people are just writing this guy off, and I'm like, he had one game in a, in a monsoon, and then he got hurt. We, we, there's no, there's nothing of value that you can take away from that start. Well, I mentioned the Daniel Jones thing, and the thing, the biggest thing the 49ers have um, that the Giants didn't have is they've got a long runway. Not as long with Trey, I'll admit, um, because this is going into year three. Um, So they're going to have to make a decision on the fifth year option next year. And then, you know, it 
kicks off from there. So the the runway is much shorter with Trey, but with Brock, you've got three more years at you know a million dollars a year, roughly um, eight hundred and seventy five or something like that, uh, and change. And so they're gonna be, we're gonna, we will know for sure what Brock Purdy is again, because as ridiculous as it is to write off Trey at this point, I think it's equally as ridiculous to try to pencil in to say, oh, I know who Brock Purdy is right now based on those eight games. Because, man, look, I can tell you I've done it. You can go and look at eight-game stretches over the years, and you've got, you know, when you look at, um, because Brock, his lowest game was like uh, 87 passer rating. So I ran the numbers. How many guys have had eight game stretches with at least 87 and a half passer ratings? There's like 80 of them. And most of them are guys, are the who's who, like Peyton and A-Rod. And, um, you know, those guys, that level of player Mahomes that kind of guy so if you believe that Brock is that guy based on that eight games okay shoot yourself but then there's also guys like Flacco and Chris Chandler (laughs) and Jimmy G and Chad Pennington so which again I'm not gonna lie that those guys are closer to who I think Brock is but again people who crucify me and say that I'm a hater. Dude, if you could get, you know, all of those guys were eight to 10 year players in the league. If you could get that at pick 22, if I told you that Brock Purdy would be Chris Chandler, if I told you that on draft day, you would have signed up for that 10 times out of 10 because you, you, you know, he's, it's the last pick in the draft. You know, nobody was expecting this dude to be the face of the franchise, QB1, for, you know, a bunch of years. You can't tell me that you thought that that's – I don't think that's what they thought they were getting. So if he turns out just to be a 10-year player, not anything spectacular, that is – even and they only get that for four years, it was a great draft pick. Again, so what we're going to see – we're going to see. I don't th- I don't know how anybody can say that they know what Trey is at this point or they are for sure what Brock is at this point. We we're going to have a fun time finding out which and I'm hope I I go on record saying now I hope you guys are right. I hope you I hope he is Drew Brees and Kurt Warner and Tom Brady all wrapped up you in know, one. You see, you're you're using the wrong comparison. You know who people really want him to be. They see the they see they see the skinny legs and the the ability to run around. They want Joe, man. That's who that's who they want. Joe that, wasn't a seventh that, round and, pick, and, but that's who they want. And that and that is a comparison that I think it is ridiculous to make about anybody. Again, I love Joe Burrow with the EUX. I'm a Louisiana Tiger fan. And he, okay, he is probably about the closest since I've been watching to Joe Cool, but ain't nobody Joe Cool. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's just it, that, hey. that, again, and I understand that I'm emotional about that. He is my first quarterback. And 
again, I, I tell people all the time, I can't deny what Tom Brady is and has done, but Joe Montana is still my goat. I, oh, I yeah, don't me care. Too. Me too. I don't care what seven championships. I know Joe didn't lose one. I know he <laughs> he was he was he was four for you know gay. Hey man, <laughs> that's just my guy. And again, I I know that that is an irrational argument because yeah. you know Tom Brady is just that's you know he might be the goat of goats of all. But again, yeah. I think that's. But I don't think I think Jerry is that. I yeah. I think Jerry is the best football player I've ever seen in cleats. Yeah, my uncle used to argue that. I didn't see Jim Brown, and maybe that's true. But um, for, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Jerry Rice is the greatest player ever to put on a pair of cleats. Um, so no disrespect to Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, so again, so you, that goes to show you how my biases are formed in my childhood. <laughs> uh, the players that are my favorites um, are who I think are the best. But yeah, uh, so... If he is Joe Montana, I would, you know, it's gonna be he. We, we will be we will be lucky fans if we get another yeah, Joe. Oh yeah. man, that'd be that's it gonna be act, fun if he's another Joe. It'll you know it'll have to be after number you know so we we sitting at nine at that point or you know what what was that <laughs> it was at ten <laughs> um, championships because he'll have five. Yeah, yeah. Um, if for for me to put him in that class if that's what it's going to take it's that's yeah. the high bar that i the the high esteem i hold joe montana in um and again i guess that might be a little bit delusional and mixed with nostalgia <laughs> and all of that and and i freely admit that all right but yeah let, it would be a nice fun it'd be a fun run if it, be, that is be awesome. the case all right uh let quickly before we move on to this draft stuff because i know we want to talk about you know wh- where the 49ers may need from a position positional need where where they maybe looking to add players. Uh, but Kinlaw, Kinlaw's got the same, we got the same question about Kinlaw and uh, 10 million uh, for a guy who, uh, what's the what's the most games Kinlaw has played in, in a season in his young career so far? Um, Wow, I don't even have that pulled up. I'll look but it up. I, I'll look it up. Give me your thoughts on Kinlaw. Well, clearly the... The, the negatives are obvious. You know, he just has not been healthy. Um, and that last stretch of last season was probably his most productive play as a 49er, which I guess goes both ways. You know, it, that can be, um, you know, because it wasn't that great. But it's, you know, if you're talking about trending in the right direction, um that is a good sign. And the reason that you would sign him to the option are all the reasons you drafted him. He's got a low, he's a load. I mean, and when you look at him, you go, you know, he, he passes the eye test. When you are standing on the sideline and you watch that dude, he is everything you would want in a defensive tackle. He's big, he's fast. He is, you know, he's, He's the total package. He, the fact is, though, you know, he, his production has not been is not he hasn't been a ten million dollar player. Um, and I think even if the the reason to sign him at that number 
is that you are betting it's a come bet. You're betting that um he gets healthy, he puts it all together, and you know, he has a contract type year. The problem with that though is that I I just don't I don't think that even if he puts together the kind of year that I'm hoping he does, and I think that he will if he stays healthy. I I just don't think that if we kind of, we kind of saw that with um to a lesser extent because he's coming off an injury, but we saw it with um Eman in Detroit that even if he has that type of season, I don't think he's going to be able to cash in right away. I don't think that anybody's going to give him in an open market. They're going to give him ten million dollars, you know, or multiple years at that number just based on one season. I think he's going to be in a position that even if he has a great year next season, that he's going to have to play on a prove-it contract. I don't think he's going to get $10 million. I, I just don't next year. So I think the Niners would be wise probably not to um, to extend him that, but to would not to offer – the fifth year, but prior to next season, let's say, look, we're not going to extend you. We're not going to give you the fifth year option, but we would be open to extending you and signing a deal kind of like Greenlaw did where, you know, I don't know what the number would be. Spot tracks has his market value at like five and a half. So you go to him and say, look, we'll give you, two for 12 mm-hmm. or two for 11 and a half. And that way you get the, the, the security of 10, $11 million guaranteed money. Um, but you know, you still have to prove it or, Hey, he can gamble on himself, not sign an extension, go out there and ball out and see what the free market has for him. I mean, that, th- that's an option. Um, but again, I just I don't think like I think he's gonna ball out this year because I you know from Dana Stubblefield on that contract year is a real ass thing. <laughs> um, dudes ball out on you know they they find a way to stay healthy and play well in that contract year. But I just don't think that Kinlaw is gonna cash in the way other guys have in the future. But I say in the past. But I say that as I say that I know that that is a position that everybody's looking to fill. And as we'll talk about, as we move forward, talking about the draft and you look at the amount, the amount of money that, um, that, um, well, um, J-Dub got now, granted, he has been a much more productive player for a much longer period of time than Ken law. But again, we've seen this too, where guys look at the, measurables and say well we can you know we'll make this work um i i just i don't know i don't see it i don't see him like breaking the bank next year anywhere here or on the free market but we'll see but you know i'm i'm rooting for him as always i you know i want all of them to get as much money as they can and get as much of that guaranteed as they can absolutely Um, so you know, we'll see, but I, I, I don't, I think it's a no brainer. I don't see, I don't see how they could justify giving him to guaranteeing him $10 million next year. 
Just just uh, to follow up, most games he played was his rookie season. He actually uh, played 14 games, uh, 15 solo tackles, 18 assisted tackles, one and a half sacks. And I think the most memorable uh, play he made was the uh, interception return for a touchdown. Uh, but then 21, he mm-hmm. played in four games. Uh, in 22, he played in six games. And last year, his uh, two solo tackles, two assisted tackles. So not much production at all in, in the last two years. So I agree with you 100%. And, and he got whoa, 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 worked by Jason Kelsey in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. That He's going to have a long time washing that taste out of his mouth because he was just getting run out the club. All yeah. day long, you know. Yeah. I hope he wasn't healthy. <laughs> yeah, because that um, that was not a good. That wasn't a good look at all. All right, let's move on and let's quickly talk about uh, some of the positional needs that you think the 49ers are going to go after in the draft. And uh, I guess let's get let's let's give our top three. Uh, what posi- what position? Do you think they need the most help with out of uh, out of everything for for this upcoming draft? Well, to me, it's not even close. And we we we're moving off of Javon Kinlaw right in there. It's defensive tackle because as a position group last season. Now, granted, they did add um, Pargrave, so there there's going to be an improvement there. Um, but they were um, by PFF grade the lowest. Um, position group on our team by far it wasn't even close the next um they were like at a grade of 47 total um and the next position group which we which also wasn't great was like 55 so it was ridiculous which are both and for those of you don't know pff a grade of 60 is what's considered a, a replacement level player so we were way below at um defensive tackle um and in addition to that, the fact that we didn't get very good play there going forward, we only have for 2024, we only have three players under contract and four, you got the, the fifth year option of Ken Law, but we just discussed that. Um, you only, you've got Armstead, Hargraves, and Kalea Davis, who we haven't really even seen play, those are our only three defensive tackles under contract for 2024 at a position where we have routinely kept seven or eight players um, going into a season. So, again, I, it just, to, I have, and I say this without having any idea of how good these in are this year but it just me that um just based on performance and roster construction that has to be at the top of the list of places that we were gonna that we need to look in the draft and and that just gives the 49ers all the more reason to uh continue to to you know, put some faith and put some work in with Kinlaw because he is a guy in the system. And if you are already not deep, 
Uh, and you can, you know, like Robert Ramos said, you can bring him back at a discount as a rotational piece. There is value there uh, for him to to play well because they don't have anybody else. And so you're kind of hoping right across your fingers that that he can he can produce in uh, in, in that position of need. Uh, what do you think about the cornerback situation here? Um. Again, that that's one that is always seems to be a popular one amongst our fans. But you know, when I look at it, they our cornerbacks now. Granted, we lost, um, we attributed quite a bit to that number. Even he didn't play all season, but it was one of the highest grading graded positions, um, according to PFF. And we've got a lot of guys is coming back um, next year. So the two things that I look we're looking at again it was at performance and then roster construction. We got a lot of guys. Now again, that being said, if you get to pick 101 and your highest rated player on the board is a corner and it's somebody you think can contribute, then obviously you make the pick. And because you've got you've got guys there who I've got com- included in that um that um, 2024 roster construction it definitely are not shoe wins. Like um, Ambry Thomas is one who stands out, who seems like to definitely regress from the end of um, 2021, where he was a starter playing really well to where, you know, based on injury and other stuff, it seems like had completely fallen out of the rotation by the end of last season. So, He's a guy who, of those six who are contractually obligated um, for 24, who could be on the bubble. It wouldn't, you know, as we saw with Trey Sermon, they don't have, it don't doesn't seem like they are, um, based on where you were drafted or your tenure on the team, doesn't seem to be the reason why they won't move on from you if they can improve that improve their position there so obviously that would be some you know i think they're on my list that's like down the ways but you know defensive ends and cornerbacks you and quarterbacks hell if if you can get one that you like you you take them you can't have too many good ones it's just it's impossible yeah uh, and you know you wouldn't even mention uh, if you think you're lonely now, Samuel Womack, uh, we didn't mm-hmm. mention, uh, which know. he had kind of an up and down. He was hot at the beginning and then kind of fell off. But again, you know, young corners. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, Mooney, you got Demo who I think is a player, but I know the, the fan base is, is kind of lukewarm on him. I, I think he's a good player. Womack that's, those are three good, players right there to to start and then they signed a bunch of dudes <laughs> this season we'll see if any of those guys shake out um your your, your Trez knights and and the such yeah and, and he 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 we gonna talk about a um and he was a practice squad guy but man you want to talk about a, a measurable guy he's like a 4-2 guy and yeah. he's big and he's long um so you know I, you know, hopefully he can develop. And then, you know, I heard, I've heard that Oliver is 
you know, has good tools. The guy that we got from Atlanta, Hartsfield, is sounds like he's a Wilkes guy. So we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, if you if you can find one that you like, you take them. But I think for me, D tackle is a place that we need to look. Guard, we only got our two starters are the only two that we have beyond this season. Um, Banks and Burford, and I mean, let's be real, both of them are very very talented, but neither one of them really um established himself as a a lock kind of you know 10-year guy you know in so that's a place that we could look um tackle because i don't believe in mckivitz <laughs> um but you know but again even if you do believe in him you've got moving forward it's only him trent is contractually obligated you got more um, but and that's it. At, you know, if you believe is the guy you we need depth, that would be a place I would look. Um, what about for repla- sure. <clears throat> replacing? Um, uh, what what about replacing? Um, gosh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Al Shair. I mean, you know, he he did leave, so you're you have. Uh, Burks is now as your third linebacker, but they seem to be able to find guys who uh, are super valuable and, you know, in, in those middle, you know, third, third, where, where they're picking essentially for, for the linebacker linebacking core. So they've found yeah, gems. So again. Yep. That, so that I didn't have them as highly ranked because linebacker is, the second highest rated position on the team. Um, and then you've got, but, but you could make a case that they've only got three. You've got um, Warner, Greenlaw, and um, Finnegan Fowles are under contract. It's either Finnegan Fowles or Burke is the third one. And Burke doesn't really count because he's a linebacker in name, but he's really a special teams player. So, yeah, you could make the case for that. The, the other one that really stands out to me is tight end. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, going into next season, um, I know they've mentioned that they want to be able to play George less because the drop-off, when George is off the field in production, both blocking and in the pass game is precipitous. Even, you know, Dwelly and, and Warner are, are, are pretty decent players, but um, both of them, as I've mentioned before, are free agents and George is it um, yep. moving forward. So I, I think that that, would, that should be a priority position because people that were in the know say that this year, um, for where we're drafting that there are there will be some good tight end prospects there um to be had so that that would be interesting so for me i just think tackle i mean defensive tackle guard offensive tackle um tight end it, you can make a case for that center guard position because again, I I'm not a big believer in Brendel. They seem to be, and he played okay. But again, he is he's it next year. Um, Felice Navidad will be gone, <laughs> and you know you you need to that Brunskill type of player. 
um, who can play that swing guard um, center. It, even if you, even if Brendel is your guy, you need to have, you know, that Tom Compton, Daniel Brunskill type player who you can fit in in a pinch. Um, and it's just, we've just seen that those guys are guys that this team has chosen to develop over the years rather than, you know, going through, they, you know, they signed Feliciano this year to play that role, it appears. But historically, that's a position that they have filled internally. They haven't they haven't been on a roller coaster of, you know, one year contracts for those type of players. So um I think it's a good bet that all three of those out of our I guess I think it's nine picks, I would be shocked if we don't take a defensive tackle, a guard, a tackle, and a tight end. And they'll probably throw a cornerback in because they just like to do that. And they like to draft running backs too, even though I don't see that as a need <laughs> at all. But, but you know, we seem to do it every year. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. And as you can say, as Trey Sermon can tell you, um, if I was tight end for the price, I wouldn't think that my roster spot was um, yeah. guaranteed just because I would, they spent a third uh, um, third round pick on me. Yeah, um, and, and you know, up. you know, they're gonna try really late in the draft. They're gonna try for uh, Brock Purdy Part Two Electric Boogaloo. They, 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 they. I sort of think that they believe they're, you know, that they know how to draft that position. And that they're going to find somebody who, you know, they have kind of high, but that nobody else does. Like, I, I just sort of feel that coming, whether it's in the sixth or the seventh round. But last one before we get out of here, Robert wants to know if you believe our guy Robbie is coming back or if the Niners may have to try and find their kicker solution in the draft as well. <sighs> I don't believe in drafting kickers, <laughs> but, um, you know, cause they're not football players. Um, <laughs> but, but I hope, I hope they're able to, I hope Robbie's just playing hardball yeah. like he did before. And that come week one, he's there. And cause I think that's the best for both people, but Hey, I, I, while I don't think they'll draft one, I think that, um, that they definitely somehow by hook or crop by crook, a young guy has to come in there, be it a late round draft pick or an undrafted guy. Um, we have to, we, we, we have to move. What well, I guess Zane Gonzalez, um, I guess, you know, for me, I'd rather that than a rookie, but you know, um, I prefer Robbie. Oh, and you said, I know it, we are at uh, hour eight, but you have got, to um you gotta you i gotta hear would think about the you know brock floating the fact that it's a possibility he might not even play next year what do you, Did he, what do where, you think where did he say that? that um in this uh, sports illustrated issue um interview it is like buried in the back he's like you know he doesn't even know you know which is which is where for where he is at right now, that it, that's not. I mean, that's it's probably unlikely that it's he's in a situation where he can't 
play next year. But it's it's definitely, I'm sure his doctors are telling him that it that's not like outside of the range of possibilities. It it's you know, he's just took his brace off. That's possible. Um to hear him say it is um it's kind of it was kind of jarring, but it's that's real. That, that is a real possibility that he's just not physically ready to um to play. Yeah, and we've we've been pretty consistent on this in that having Trey there, having Trey led the team last year throughout all the offseason, he'll be there again to lead the team in the offseason. He should by by doing that, he will be ready uh more quickly than than Brock will be. And I think that's a it's a positive thing is to have a talented guy who is who is ready and and hungry and willing uh for you know for the mere fact that who knows it's to me I think Brock is just he's young he's probably a little emotional about the situation you know he's got the future right in front of his eyes and he he has a hurdle now that you know to to come from where he came from where he's he's the Rudy uh, uh, of the of the draft, right? He's the guy who's the underdog. Nobody thinks can do it, and then he proves it. And then to him, he's got to think like, "Oh my gosh!" Like now, I got to prove it again. Now I got to go through this hurdle again. So I think probably a little emotion in that answer. Uh, but also, he's he's seems to be a pretty dogged kid, and I imagine him, you know going through the emotions of everything that, that relates to the injury coming off of that great season, the great rookie season. Yeah. I could see why, why he would say that. But at the same time, the thing that I think is not like a done deal is him coming back a hundred percent. You know, with baseball, a lot of times with this Tommy John stuff, it can take a while. Now I know it's not the same injury for him that these these baseball pitchers go through with the full uh, reconstructive, but there is a timetable to where he's going to feel like himself again, and that is is more about patience and rehab than anything else. And so for a young guy who's just he's probably chomping at the bit to get out there, he's just gotta he's gotta you know listen to his doctors and, and make sure that. The, the the rehab go, goes well, but at the same time, that's why we are so lucky to have a talented player in the system who's basically now running the show for his second camp, second straight offseason, heading into the preseason, and hopefully there's value in, in, in Trey being able to do that so that if, he, if Trey is the bridge, it's a good bridge, or if Brock is not Brock, then maybe Trey is the better option, and and that's who we go into the season with. So there's options, but there's also question marks surrounding the entire situation, which I'm sure will make 49er fans very loud this offseason heading into the preseason. And we'll just have stuff to talk about, which is great for us. Yep. Yep. It's got, you know, I just, I, I just continue to share. I, I, you know, my nephews played ball and my uncles played ball. And, you know, I know just in the time that from my nephew being, you know, playing travel ball through high school, um, I know of six of his teammates who have had 
that exact surgery. Yeah. And then the, in the range, the gam, the range, the, the, the out range of outcomes have been, there was one kid who had that surgery and was against doctor's orders, which we, you, you were just talking about, you need to guard against was throwing long toss at mm. four months. And by six months, he was cleared and was right back up at 89, 87, 88, miles an hour now granted i've had i've talked to like my my cut my nephew's doctor and he's at that age of 16 17 18 years old those you know they're mutants in terms of <laughs> um healing but yeah. then my my nephew when he had his he was cleared to throw at six months it took him a full 18 months oh, to get, yeah, to get back up to <clears throat> 88 89 and for those of you who don't know the opportunities and prospect for a high school at 8283 are a lot different than if you're throwing at 8889 so yeah. that is a that was a grueling you know wondering if he's back and then there have kids ever who have been throwing up in that high high velocity and never come you know they get injured and they never come back to being able to throw you know at the now i know i understand quarterback is a little different in that velocity ne isn't necessarily as you know important as it is for a pitcher and again you can make the case that you can become a junk baller or whatever but in this game anymore i i can just tell you from a recruiting standpoint they look at you way different if yeah. you are, if you're throwing, if you're throwing 82, 83, you know, you talking about Juco, maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, you're not maybe getting a D, you're not getting, yeah, you're not getting a D one scholarship. You're not getting D one looks. Um, that low, I mean, your, your stuff has to be filthy. You're talking about Greg Mattis type filthy <laughs> for somebody to be looking at you, um, for that. And, you know, for for those kids and then you talk about going pro and you can forget about it if that if that's what you're topping out at um in high school nah you, it's just it's just not gonna happen but and again i know that's different um but the point is that it's um how to think that we know right now what his long forget about long-term prognosis um prognosis is going to be what's going to happen between now and training camp yeah we we have we have no idea we have no idea so we just have to hope for the best um and i personally like you know i'm a player's guy so i want him to do what's best for him long term yep. not to be trying to rush back and because I, I i understand i get it to try to press his advantage that he earned last season the 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 instinct is to try to I'm gonna get back out there and you know hold my spot. But um I think he needs to be looking at this as a long term play. He's yep. got 10, 11, 12 years that he could be in this league making money. Um and I would I would hate for him to do something to jeopardize that long term money um on a short term gain. Absolutely. Um, so 
I'm, you know, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. Uh, uh, you know, despite what people think that I'm, you know, <laughs> Trey is my guy. Yes, that is true. But I want Brock Purdy to be a good player too. I, yeah. I, I don't think that he has to be in either or situation. I, I want them both to be good. You know, and then whoever's the best player, then he's the 49er quarterback. And then whoever else goes on and they, I hope they have a good career elsewhere. I'm, you yeah. know, I just. I hope they both end up being good players. And I hope Brock just does what, um, you know, prioritizes his, his long-term future um, as he's moving forward through this um, part of his career. All right, man. Well, that is uh, it from here. Well, next time we'll be back, we'll be able to talk some draft picks, draft picks, which will be fun. Uh, And, you know, it won't be, it won't be as crazy as two years ago when we had, the the uh the third pick and it was just they, they trade up to the third pick and and you get the guy that you were sat I I was salivating over yes I was like yes. oh my gosh if you if we, and, if we and, only got this and also the guy that you were like man I don't I, I really don't <laughs> care who they take please don't take McCorkle yeah. as, long, as long as it's not McCorkle that you know that was whew, I want to trade too I'm not gonna lie but yeah, uh, it wasn't Mac. That was yeah. the big thing for me. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, we got two whole days. Mo, I, I think you know maybe they trade up and you know do something, but I think it's going to be us. You know, we're going to be it's going to be a jam packed day three, um, and then we'll have a bunch to talk about um, afterwards. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, social media, you can follow us on Twitter at BSPN Media, on Instagram at BSPN underscore media, and at YouTube, where you you can find all of our live stuff and all of our clips, youtube.com front slash at BSPN. BSPNmedia.com is the website where you can catch up with us as well. So for Rod, I'm Double G. We'll see you in two weeks after the draft. Peace out. Hey there, I'm Brandon Kelly from the Always Cheating Podcast, co-hosted with my friend Josh Landon. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. What is Blue Wire? Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. And over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, their podcast network, and their business operations. Now they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. And it's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. So if you'd like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, visit WeFunder.com slash BlueWire.